Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, one a beautiful Tuesday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer G. Hey, Wiley. G, how are we doing on this glorious Tuesday? I mean, it is a Tuesday. Kings won. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot to celebrate today, so I'm, I'm very, very happy. What about yourself, Arash? Listen, I'm very excited. As you mentioned, the Kings won game one. We will get to that shortly, so let's not bury the lead. Let's get to today's headlines. Right now. Well, like we said, Philip Deneau capitalized after a miscue by Edmonton goalie Mike Smith and scored the tie-breaking goal late in the third period, leading the Los Angeles Kings to a 4-3 win over the Oilers on Monday night in Game 1 of the opening round playoff series. The Kings won five straight games before the regular season finale and now have a one to nothing series lead. Could we see the Kings go on a Stanley Cup run a rush? I think so. I think the way that they finished the season, Jihei, gave me some confidence that, that this team was peaking at the right time. I mean, this has been a season where, uh, you know, not a ton of expectations for the Kings coming into this season. When Luke Robitaille came on the show before the season, he said, this is the first year that we're trying to compete. O- over the past three years, where they have not made it to the postseason, it was a rebuilding time. And generally in Los Angeles, that is not the words or a phrase that you want to see if you're a Los Angeles sports fan but they knew that they had to build up the team the right way. And so it's a, it's a fascinating uh, team because they have um, players who are on those 2012-2004 Stanley Cup championship teams, including Dustin Brown, who announced before the beginning of this postseason that this will be his last season. These are his last games, and what an amazing way that would be to, to retire if the Kings win one more cup. So I don't know how far they can go, Jihei, but when you win five straight to close out the season and you begin the postseason on the road by winning game one in the fashion that they did, I got those 2012 vibes with this team. I mean, if you remember, that was the team that really dominated the first uh, games of their series. You know, they um, they won three straight or four straight against Vancouver and and. They won the cup with the fewest games in the history of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So who knows how far this team is going to go. But last night, watching that team go on the road and claim that first game, I definitely had 2012 vibes with this team. Well, you know what I love about hockey is that there is no such thing as parity. And so uh, every single game, every single season is really, truly up for grabs. To go back to back is just so insanely hard. I mean, we saw Tampa do it. Um, the last two seasons, but it's just such a rarity, especially in hockey, to be able to do that, right? So um, the fact that they have momentum on the side is definitely a game changer. It definitely helps, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see and find out um, if these kids, these young kids can learn from, uh, you know, the experienced veterans uh, in Brown and in, uh, you know, and everybody else in in Kopitar and and everybody. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to go to a playoff game because... You never know um, if they're going to be able to advance, right? So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this. Do I think they're going to go on a run? God, I hope so. Because yeah. there's nothing like playoff hockey. It is the best 
playoff other than March Madness is the best playoff <laughs> out there um, anywhere. So I, I look forward to them uh, going on a run, and I hope that they do. I hope that, I, I hope they make it all the way. Yeah, um, that would you know, that that would be that would be ideal. But um, even making it to the West, winning the West would be phenomenal as well. And I think a great accomplishment for the Kings, considering nobody thought they'd be here. So, well, speaking of being here, everybody thought that the Suns would be here. DeAndre Jordan scored 25 points, Devin Booker added 23, and the Phoenix Suns rolled to a 121 to 114 win over the Dallas Mavericks in game one of the Western Conference semifinals. The Suns never trailed and beat the Mavericks for the 10th straight time, counting regular season games. Arash, it's just one game, but given their recent history, is this series over? You know, the, 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 the reason that I think this series is over is you just touched on an amazing stat right there. 10 straight wins. And so I'm not saying that 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 that, that Utah sorry that that the Mavericks can't get one game. But when you've won when you've beaten the team 10 straight times, it's just a bad matchup. And again, the Suns never trailed in game one. There was never a, a point in that game where I thought they were gonna lose. It wasn't a blowout. But there was never a point in that game where I'm like, the Mavericks are going to come back and we win this game. So when you beat a team 10 straight times, when you take a 9-0 lead in the, you know, the first few minutes of the game and you essentially dominate a team where they never take even a one-point lead, I think this series is over in five. I will give the Mavericks one win on their home court, but it's just a tough matchup. I do think coming into this postseason that the Suns were the best team in the league. I do think that the Warriors have shown what they can do and what 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 they can be if they are fully healthy. But uh, GA just a bad matchup, and I and I and I felt that when I looked at how the playoffs were going to shake out. Um, I said, good on the Mavericks for finally getting past the first round. Because, of course, as you well know, G8, you know, the Clippers defeated the Jazz the last two years. Sorry, keep saying the Jazz. The Clippers defeated the Mavericks the last two seasons. And so, you know, I do like to see Luka Doncic play in these semifinals to get a first round series win, um, uh, you know, to his credit. But, um, no, just a bad matchup here for the Mavs. I'm not saying that they're going to win 13 straight and sweep this series, but this series is going to be done in five games. I mean, I agree with you. I think maybe it'll go, maybe it can go to six, um, but it's going to be an uphill battle, especially, you know, if um, there's a couple of factors. If Chris Paul has to play in a game where Scott Foster is going to rest for him, that's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if Luca can. Hey, I, I'm not taking anything past Luka Adonjic because I think that he is one of the best players out there in the league at this current moment in time. Uh, the only problem with Luka and the Dallas Mavericks is it's all on Luka's shoulders, right? Um, it's very... Uh, they did a great job without him for the first two games, and kudos to them, and I hope that they continue with that. But it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for them, considering that you have DeAndre Ayton out there and you have Devin Booker back. They just have too many weapons for the Suns in order for them to uh, to maybe move on uh, past this round. Uh, but at least they did. You're right. They got the hump over their. Um, they kind of got that first uh, first round hump over yeah. uh, over with, right? Um, in the Dallas Mavericks. Well, Tyler Hero scored 25 points, the second most he'd ever had in a playoff game. Mirage while Bam Adebayo finished with 24 points and 12 rebounds and the Miami Heat ran away in the second half to beat the Philadelphia 76ers 106-92 to in Game 1 of their Eastern Conference semifinal matchup. 
Joel Embiid did not make the trip to Miami and the earliest he could possibly come back is game three. Can the Sixers still win this series if they lose game two? You know, they, they're going to have to find a way to come back in this series after dropping the first two games. I don't see any scenario where the Sixers are going to beat the Miami Heat without Joel Embiid. And by the way, where the heck is James Harden? You know, they make that trade for one of the MVPs of this league, supposed to be one of the top 5'10 players in this league, nowhere to be found. I mean, yeah, listen, he scored some points, but he's got to be the leading scorer of that team. He he was third on the team in scoring. And so, uh, you know, what a bad look, I'm sorry, for uh, James Harden uh, to... You know, again, when they don't have Joel Embiid, what are you going to do, James Harden? I mean, this is why they made that uh, trade. James Harden finishes with 16 points. Tobias Harris was the leading scorer of the Sixers, 27 points. Tyrese Maxey, 19 points. Harden, just six, 16 points. They need more from him. So I, I don't see a scenario uh, just watching that game last night. Again, you, you touched on the G. Hey, uh, the Heat really blowing out the uh, Sixers. It, it, it turned into a blowout in the second half, and they win 106-92. to 92. So I think they're going to fall down 2-0. Oh, and by the way, it's not a guarantee that Joel Embiid will be back for Game 3. That is just the earliest he can come back. If he is cleared and if he is healthy, he could be back for Game 3, but there's a scenario where he misses Game 3. There's a, a scenario where he could miss Game 4. I do think we will see him back in Game 3 or 4, but uh, just a, a, a tough beginning to this series for the Sixers, and I, I like the Heat here. Absolutely, I, I said it. You know, before Game One, I, I will say it after Game One, after Game Two, after Game Four, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting a sweep by any means uh, with Miami, but um, against the Sixers. But if my if Miami was hurt, they didn't show it. You know, they did not show that they, they were injured. Um, you're right, Arash. Philly's got to step up. The rest of that team has to step up, knowing that you quite possibly do not have your star and do not have your leading scorer. So uh, it is time for them to, you know, step your game up, guys, especially Harden. Especially yeah. Harden. Especially when you want to you be seen. <coughs> sorry. You want to be seen as this <coughs> force to be reckoned with right you want like you left multiple teams to go and try to win a title to try and make your um, solidify yourself in this league i still think you have a ways to go i know that sounds crazy because there was like well it's james harden i i just i think that all of this moving around and all of this like me 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 kind of play is not you know conducive to um, him winning a title um and him solidifying himself in the league so and i'm also not the huge james harden fan but uh, that being said, yeah, he needs, you know, he needs to step it up. He needs to step it up. Well, we have two game twos tonight, Arash, in the NBA with the Boston Celtics playing the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors playing the Memphis Grizzlies. It's tonight a must-win game for the Grizzlies and the Celtics after both lost game one at home. Listen, it is really hard to drop those first two games at home and come back to win the series. We saw the Clippers do it a year ago against the, the, the Mavericks. I forget what the stats are on that. It is nearly impossible, I think, when you have a seven-game series to lose the first two. So at this point, you have to find a way to win four of five and uh, you don't have home court. And so I think both of these games are must-win games for Memphis and for the Celtics. Again, to, to drop 
two straight at home and then to find a way to you know go on the road and and, and try to win those uh, two games back will be hard to do um if i were to say who's in a tougher spot I think it's Memphis. You know, listen, that was a game that they had to have. That was a game when Draymond Green gets tossed in the first half of that game, and you are leading in that game. You are, have control of that game, and you're at home. And when you're a team like Memphis, where you have not been in that position before, this is all new for the Memphis Grizzlies. This is all new for John Moran. And so when you're in that position, when you're in that spot to lose that game late, that's tough and so you do have to if you're memphis tonight have to find a way to come back because you blow those those two games at home in front of your home fans and now you got to go to san francisco to beat the warriors that's not going to happen i mean if the if, if the grizzlies for example don't win tonight i wouldn't be shocked if they get swept no i agree with you i think it definitely is a little bit more of a, a little bit more and i'm i'm marginalizing it um of an uphill battle for Memphis, but Boston at the same time, uh, they might not have Marcus Smart um, due to a right quad contusion, so um, injury. So I, I, I think without that defense right there, and without that hustle player, um, who, you know, th- this is when you need that defense, right? Is during the playoffs. The playoffs is when that really comes to comes to the forefront, and you you need it. So um, I think Boston, if they if they get swept at home for this. Per- particular series it's going to be rough for them to be able to go to milwaukee and be able to to win because those fans are great the milwaukee fans are amazing they are nice but not nice at the same time right you know they're going to be loud in that arena they're going to be very very loud so i i think that it's going to be really i think it's going to be difficult considering the defense that they showed at the garden um that milwaukee showed at the garden and then not having your um your best defensive player on the court that is definitely going to not help um i don't know how they did it but they just manhandled jason tatum i mean i didn't even think that that was even humanly possible right um considering the way that he has been playing um these last few games so i think it's i think it's going to still be extremely rough um they'll get a game in here and there but i think it's going to be still really really rough for boston Um, as well if they continue to play the way that they played in game one well the u.s government now considers wnba star Brittany Griner to be wrongfully detained by the russian government it took you guys long enough (laughs) signaling a significant shift in how officials will try to get her home the wnba also today announced plans to acknowledge the importance of phoenix mercury um, center Brittany Griner to the league during the 2022 season which tips off on friday Griner's initials and jersey number number 42 will be featured alongside um, along the sidelines sorry of all 12 WNBA courts has the government and WNBA done enough to get Griner back home you touched on it Jihei heck no they have not done enough and I am glad that, that is finally changing I think maybe this coincides with the start of the league uh, season as you just touched on it which will be Friday what the heck has taken so long? Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia for over 75 days 
for, I think, what was it, vape cartridges that have some hashish. It is an absolute joke. I know that they wanted to be diplomatic in handling this situation, but this has gone on long enough. It went on long enough 75 days ago. There's time. It's long overdue time for her to come back. And I don't know what that entails. I get it. She's in Russia. We're here in the States. I, I, I know it's not a simple process. But we have been far too quiet with the story, and uh, I, I am glad that the U.S. government has changed their stance. I'm glad that they're finally going to do something about it. I'm glad that her name and her number will be on the court, and players and coaches will talk about this. There should be a countdown. There should be, uh, you know, this should be leading sports news and talk shows until she comes home. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. So no, they have not done enough, but thankfully that is about to change. Yeah, I mean, I can't say more enough about it. I think that this is something that even we, like, you know, I'm, I'm to blame too. I think we're to blame as well. Like we haven't really brought a lot of attention, a lot of light to it. Also, we don't have a lot of information on it as well, right? Because. I mean, some people don't even know what's going on in Russia right now. It's kind of like North Korea where, you know, the lights are all off. You don't know what's going on in that country right now because they're so secretive. But um, I think, yeah, this is something, it's about slipping time. Wars, I can't say, on the radio. Um, it is about time. Th this should have been, I, I don't know if the WNBA has those those resources to try to get her back and put that attention on here, but our government 100% does. And this is, shame on you, government, for not... Um, for not talking about this, for not trying to get justice for her, for not trying to get her back. Um, if this was if this was anybody else, I feel like we would be talking about this every single day for the last seventy whatever plus days. If this was anybody else, but because it is, maybe uh, maybe not because it's a woman of color, or maybe it's because somebody that's not as quote unquote high profile to some people. It's it's gone by the wayside. So I'm glad at, at least they're trying to do something now, but. For me, just get her back. That, that, that's it. Just get her back for something that's just so minuscule and so trivial. Well, the NFL said an, that an independent review um, found no evidence, quote unquote, to uh, substantiate allegations made by former Cleveland Browns head coach Hugh Jackson that the team intentionally lost games in the 20, 2016 and 2017 seasons. Jackson is the second coach joining former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores to claim the team intentionally lost games. Do you believe them? I believe that you are not going to have two coaches say this the same thing. I mean, where 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 there's smoke, there's fire, Jihei. So I I do believe that to some degree they were encouraged to lose or not dissuaded to lose. So I I I am. Um, this is a fascinating story because this really goes to the credibility of the league. I mean, this is uh, the the most gambled upon league in the United States, in North America, perhaps even in the world. Uh, if you have a situation where these games are already predetermined, and when I say predetermined, I mean, the, the, the old statement is, on any given Sunday, any team can win. If you have a situation where one of the teams is throwing the game or they're encouraged to lose or they're encouraging their players to lose, something along those lines, uh, the league is in a tough spot. The league has done an amazing job. I mean, this, again, is not a big story. You have two head coaches in the National Football League saying that they were encouraged 
in in Brian Flores' case, I believe, incentivized to lose. That's a massive story. But because the league has said, listen, we did this independent, quote unquote, in my view, independent investigation, there was, quote unquote, no evidence. And so, and then people move on. They, they move on with their lives. These are two of the more respected assistant coaches and head coaches in the league saying, I was throw, I, I was told to throw games. I think it's crazy, GK. Yeah, Arash, I agree with you. I think that, you know, if one person comes out and says it, it could be suspect. If multiple people come out and say it, I don't know, guys. That just, but that also just shows you how powerful the NFL is. That they're burying this story. That we're, we're yeah, we may, we may be talking about it, but tomorrow we're going to be talking about something else that the NFL is doing. So I, I think that this just shows you the power of the NFL, right? It just shows you how uh, how powerful they can possibly be. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, good good on them. This is this is crazy. No, it's 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 nuts. I I I hope a third coach comes out because more uh more attention needs to be put on this story. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will hear from Chargers Center Corey Lindsley. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you want tickets to a future Kings or Galaxy game, and that's right, Kings are in the playoffs. We're talking about playoff tickets right here. Call our hotline, 310-400-0340. That number again, 310-400-0340. Gee, we've talked about this team uh, this entire offseason, and I really think that the Chargers have put themselves in a position to contend for a Super Bowl. I do think that they've realized that in this quote-unquote fight for Los Angeles, they don't really say that as much, uh, but when they first moved to Los Angeles, that was their slogan, fight for L.A. Um, The fight for L.A. was ratcheted up after the Rams won that Super Bowl. They cannot stand pat and and, and be happy just uh, contending. The uh, Chargers have put together a team that I do believe will not only fight for LA, but fight for a Super Bowl this year. Uh, they had a fantastic draft. One of the winners of the draft, I believe, was the Chargers. Um, and, and one of the priorities that they had was solidifying the offensive line, which is paramount when you have a franchise young quarterback like a Justin Herbert. And one of the big additions that they had a year ago was bringing on Green Bay Packers center Corey Lindsley. Again, all pro, uh, first team, pro bowler, one of the best centers in the league. He is really the quarterback of the offensive line. Um, and then, you know, having the first round pick that they did, I mean, they, they, they've really made it a priority to protect Justin Herbert, which, of course, you have to do. You talk about your franchise player, the quarterback of your team. Uh, so the media, uh, we got a chance to catch up with Corey Lindsley, not only talking about the off season, but about the draft and his expectations for the team this upcoming season. So let's now hear from Los Angeles Chargers center, Corey Lindsley. 
I haven't, um, but the, from what everybody's saying is um, he's a great dude. Texted him, uh, you know, just congrats and enjoy it. And, um, you know, he's excited to be a part of the group now. And, um, yeah, all, all positive. I mean, what else would it be? But it, it is from everybody I talk to and people that know him, it's, it's all they rave about him, um, the kind of person he is and obviously the kind of football player. As an offensive lineman, how exciting is it to see the team invest in an O-lineman in the first round, especially a guy yeah. you're going to be playing next to? Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, like, I feel like our group is so tight. It's, it's like, it's, it's great to have another guy in the group, and I feel like he's going to mesh well with the guys we got in here. Um, you know, and it's, we're, we're excited to have him. We're excited to have Jamari. We're, we're um, excited to have all the guys on board and, um, you know, whatever, however it shakes out is what it is, but, um, <clears throat> you know, I, again, I feel, I just feel like our group has um, come so far from where we were last year, just in terms of, like, how tight we are now, and, uh, you know, we're just excited to, to bring everybody on board. Do you scout him? Do you guys have to do any scout? Do you do any recognizance on him to find out who no. he is before you <laughs> Nah, I, that's all coaches and scouts and stuff, yeah. What, what about, uh, you guys have made a couple of big-time moves on defense. What, what have you thought about that commitment they made there and just kind of the direction this, this seems to be heading? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we uh, yeah, we picked up some really good players. I mean, all those the, the guys, you know, played against, um, at least on the front line, I played against all of them. And, um, you know, it was, it was awesome to see. I mean, they're, um, those guys are all great players. And, um, I mean, I can't really speak to it. You know, JC Jackson at all. I don't really know anything about the back end game, but they, um, from the front line, I mean, it's it's those three guys that we picked up are phenomenal phenomenal players and um, are going to help us team a lot. You've played against Sebastian before. Mm-hmm. Right? What yeah. what makes him so tough to block, particularly in the in the run game? Yeah, I think I played him in the playoffs in uh, 2020, and uh, it was kind of surprising. Like I was watching film, and he he's kind of like a. Um, I guess not a household name, or it wasn't back then. Um, but he, you know, I kept watching film of him, and it was like he kept, you know, popping out. And I was like, man, I haven't even really heard of this guy yet. And we hadn't played the Rams in a few years. Um, so, you know, I started watching more and more film of him. I was like, man, this guy's a good player. Like, he, he's he's taking it to everybody. He's really patient. He has a great ba- uh, great center of gravity, great balance. Um, <clears throat> and he's strong. I mean, he's real strong. He's got... Um, he's everything you want in nose guard, and uh, you know I was happy to see we picked him up for sure. You went up against Khalil a couple times a year in that division. Yeah. What is it about him that maybe with the matchups and everything mm-hmm. creates problems, especially and elevates the yeah. defensive line as a whole? Yeah, I think just obviously having him and Joey out on the edge, it's gonna that's great. You know, I don't think anybody wouldn't take that right and. So, and I think the thing about both of them is that they they can do it all. It's not like they're like, I mean, I guess you can call them pass rush specialists, but it's not like they're coming on the field on third down just for third down. You know what I mean? Like they're they're great football players. Like they play great in the run. They play great in the pass. They're great at diagnosing stuff. Um, there's really not a whole lot of weakness to either of their game. And just being able to have those two complete football players on the edge, I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's huge for us, and obviously playing against Cleo Mack was not happy when he got traded to the to the Bears, and uh, so that was that was not you know what we wanted at the Packers, but he, uh, but you know it was 
that just kind of speaks to the type of player he is. And, you know, ex- extremely excited to have him on our side. When we talked to Brandon after the Zion pick, he said sort of the vision was having, you know, a really stout interior of the line. Obviously, mm-hmm. you and Matt from last year and adding Zion to that. Having three guys in there that, you know, capable of pass protection, run blocking, what does that do for an offense having that, that kind of, you know, solidified center of the offensive line? Yeah, I think that, again, it's like, the the more I heard one time, you know, you got to build from the ball out, right? And I mean, you know, there's truth to that, there's truth to everything. But they, um, but I think it just it, it it helps us out so much. It just when the O line, you know, when we can work together. Really, it's we got we got the pieces now. I mean, we I felt like we did a pretty good job last year, but there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, my game and everybody's game, and I feel like we being able to take that next step. <clears throat> this year, you know, solidifying our own line. Like, now we know each other's calls. We know what we're talking about. We can read each other's minds um, and moving forward. And, and Zion's obviously going to be huge, a huge part of that. And getting him in here and working from day one, it's going to be um, it's going to be great. And I feel like the more we can put in, the more time we can put in talking on the field, off the field, um, you know, it's just going to make the football team better. Did you personally want to improve, Corey? I think that you know, just different consistency, part of my game, um, you know, get better at pass pro, run blocking. I mean, I, you know, there's certain stuff and uh, that I, you know, kind of have a list of stuff that I wanted to go, that I wanted to go through this off season. And um, I mean, I'm not going to go through all of it, but it's just like, I try to make a list every off season of stuff that I can improve on and <clears throat> watch my film again. And, um, just see this, the the areas, the games that I felt like I didn't play really well. You know, why was that? Was it the preparation? Was it the um, was it how I was feeling that week? Was it um, you know was it something that I didn't focus enough on the off season? And then just take that and go into the off season, try and work on it. In your in your years of experience, have you completed that list each year that you want to get better? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to, and um, I try to focus on. I try to pick. You know, you can't do it all, but it's like try to focus on different sections of the off season and. Um, you know, focus on this, focus on that, you know, like hand speed might not fit fit in well with when you're trying to build muscle in that part of the off season. So you might want to focus when you're trying to be explosive, you know, that might fit in, fit in better then. So try to work in it in that section of the off season and, um, you know, just trying, I feel like that's a, it's worked, you know, pretty well for me in, um, in the past and just keep going, you know. Corey, you're obviously very close to Brian Goliath. What do you think about, about the team party? What yeah, I mean, it was tough. I, I, tough to see Brian go. Obviously, talk to him and stuff, and um, going to miss him. I mean, he's I've been playing with him for a long time, you know, and uh, there's really only one year where I wasn't playing with him in the NFL. So um, it sucks, man. I mean, it's part of the business, part of the game, I guess. But, um, you know, he's had a hell of a run thus far, and hopefully he'll, if he wants to, latch on with the team. If he doesn't, you know, he had a hell of a career. And, um, so if he wants to keep playing, I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's been a great player, man. And hopefully if he wants to keep doing that, if he doesn't, you know, it is what it is, but going to miss him for sure. You guys have a new offensive line coach this season, Brandon Newton. Just your early impressions of, of what do you think he's going to bring to the team? Yeah, I mean, he's, he seems like a really good dude. Seems like knowledgeable, you know, in the meeting room and stuff. And just talking to him a little bit. I mean, I've only, only had one meeting today with him and, um, you know, but I've been texting with him every now and then, and um, yeah, just it, it, he's part of the equation too. You know, we Sean Surrett's back, so he, he's you know we already know Sean, but 
um, you know, Nuge is part of the equation where, you know, we got to get to know him. He's got to know us, know how we communicate, um, how we learn, and, you know, figure out the best way to, to coach us and obviously us receive his coaching, you know, and, um, and learn from what he can bring to our game, you know. Tough to see uh, Frank go. I know he got a great Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, it, you know, it, I was pissed, you know, because <laughs> I, I love Frank, obviously, and um, he, you know, I felt like we'd, um, had, you know, he, he led a great room last year, and um, I'm sure Nugent will do the same and, and come in here. And, um, you know, he comes from the Saints and great background. And obviously, they had a great O line for a number of years, and they still do. And so, you know, it's not like he's unfamiliar to a great O line play. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Frank had an awesome opportunity, and um, I'm sure he'll be very successful down in Miami, but yeah, I wasn't, wasn't thrilled, but he, uh, <laughs> but you can't be, that's just me being salty. And so, it, uh, but yeah, was, I was happy to see him, you know, take the next step in his career. What's up like you though, what's up like now? Because you had a constant with Camden for so many years. Mm-hmm. This is what, your fourth different line coach now in five yeah. years? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think that math. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't even realize that. Honestly, like it, they two one yeah um, I mean I've I've been so fortunate because and you know I feel like especially for a young player you know you come to the league and you really um, you know no matter how gifted you are or how well you adapt you know there's still that you know relationship that you got to build with your coach and you know you can you know your production on the field. <clears throat> isn't directly correlated with your coach, but it's you know there's a, a large amount of your game that you can improve if you have a great coach. And I've been so fortunate to have um, four great coach, well three thus far. You know I'd, um, I'm sure News will be a great coach as well, but you know I, I don't know him and um, no, we haven't gone through a season or anything. But uh, I, I have been really fortunate to have go from Campy to Steno. Stenovich was phenomenal. I mean, same. I, like there was no. Transition, man. It was just straight from great coach to great coach. Obviously, I had Frank last year, and um, I feel like that's a huge part of the reason why I've, you know, made it to year nine and hopefully keep going. Um, but yeah, but it, yeah, that's one. That's one area in my career I feel very fortunate about to always have coaches that cared about the player, 100%. Like never had a coach that didn't care about the player, and um, and also was just extremely knowledgeable about the game. Yeah, probably. I, I would say it would, it's it's probably easier, um, just because you've been through it. But then again, if I was a young guy in the league and I didn't get along with my coach, or like you know he didn't he thought less of me or something, then or he wasn't he didn't care about me, then maybe it would be, you know, as a vet, like I wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? So it's. Um, I th- but yeah, to to in my situation, yeah, it probably is a little bit easier the transition. But um, yeah, all in all, I mean, uh, Newt seems like a hell of a dude, and uh, you know, excited to get to work with him. How beneficial will it be just having Sean in the room? Knows you guys from last yeah. year. You spent a lot of time together. For sure, making that transition. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Sean's awesome, it, and again, the the whole dynamic last year of him, Frank, and and the whole room. I mean, we. I uh, felt like I had a great, great thing going. Um, you know, we made a lot of improvement throughout the season, and you know, we still have a lot of room. Again, a lot of room to build. But Sean can aid in that. You know, maybe this is how. You know, maybe New sees something on film, and Sean's like, "Oh yeah, in practice, you know, he did this." And New's just like, "Okay, that's that's what we can work on." You know, in practice, he's been he has a tendency to do. You know, 
I don't know, drop his inside foot or something, and then, um, you know, it shows up on film, and um, now they can correct it in this portion of practice. You know what I mean? So it's just little stuff like that. But, yeah, it's huge having Sean back. Um, and, obviously, he's awesome from West Virginia. So he's a West Virginia guy. He's a West by guy, Virginia. And he, uh, so we're, you know, he, he brings a lot of personality to the room, too, for sure. Last, last season was obviously a lot of change for you. Bay, yeah. Coming out to LA, just having this off season where you're here, you know you're going to be here. You don't have to move. You don't have to find. New yeah, house, right. All that stuff. Like how, how nice has that been? Yeah, it's been a lot. It's been great. And it, again, like you know, saying I've, I've been real fortunate to have great coaches. Um, you know, whether it's the head coach McCarthy to Lafleur to Campy to Steno, um, and there was like that huge unknown coming out here. You know, how's how's Coach Staley going to be? How's Frank going to be? I mean. Um, and just growing with them, there, you know that it, that process of just getting to know them, and it, but it was a process, you know. And it's now that I know Coach Staley, it's like it's so much easier. There's no process. It's just like I know who he is. I know what he's about, and you know it's 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 definitely a lot smoother. How would you communicate who Coach Staley is to the rookies that you're going to be playing with um, Zion number one? Yeah, I think that he's. The, the best thing about Coach Staley, in my opinion, is just like that's like I feel like maybe it's just the media perspective or whatever, but like he's just no BS. You know, it's he's just an authentic, like honest person. Um, you know, it's different because I don't play on the defensive side of the ball, um, so I don't really get coach coached by him a lot. But just having him as a head coach, where he's just like, look, at this is how it is, and let's not make it out to be something it isn't, you know, and, and I'm not saying any other coach that I've had does that, but I'm saying like, just that's, I think that's what's most, that's what made it so easy coming here and integrating with the team was just his authenticity. Um, not trying to be somebody who isn't great family guy. Um, and you know, that's, that, that makes like, you don't have to, it's, there's not like some game being played. You know, I feel like that in the media and stuff is just, you know, sometimes it just gets people get weird. You know, <laughs> and like, and that's not Coach Staley. And I feel like that's what makes the great coaches great is they just, you know, they're authentic. Ball is ball. Don't try to make it what it isn't. And um, you know, practice what you preach too, for sure. And that's I think he's a one a and all that. Having a full off season here and coming off your Man of the Year nomination, just how much were you and Anna able to build up Casa in the area here? Yeah. You know what? It's we because we went back to Ohio, so we, um, you know, we've been in touch with them for sure. And there's been a couple events that um, it's tough because, like, they. I feel like in Wisconsin, it's like in LA, there's you got something going on every night, you know. <laughs> and it's like there's there's an event that we're not able to make it um, make it to. Um, we're trying to find something um, to build on, and um, but obviously we're going to continue the work that we did last year and. Um, do the same stuff, but uh, you know, again, we're looking to, to build upon that um, uh, just any way that we can, for sure. Any trips to NBR while you were home? What's that? Any trips to NBR while you were home? No, no, I, I didn't get back to Youngstown. I'm going in the summer. It's tough with two kids, man. They, they, it's like you got to load them up in the car. Like every every trip is like a like a vacation like trip. It's like you got to load up all the stuff. You got to load up the diaper bag you got to bring supplies for like 10 days just in case it's like so we just we tell the grandparents to come on down and and but it was great it was great family time for sure but excited to get back to the MVR and have some of that 
Youngstown food and then come back after cut weight. So. <laughs> a lot of food, but yeah. Well, thanks, guys. All right, that was Charger Center Corey Lindsley basically, you know, talking about the offseason, about the draft, the Chargers drafting Zion Johnson, offensive lineman, a guard from Boston College, uh, you know, a player that um, Tom Telesco, Chargers GM, really liked. Uh, it's just it just feels like a tight knit group, and 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 these are the kind of draft picks you want to have when you are a team right on the brink of being a championship. I think uh, they did not have a second round pick. They selected J.T. Woods, safety out of Baylor, with their third round pick. Isaiah Spiller, running back at Texas A&M, with their fourth round pick. So I, I just think all around they had a fantastic draft and. They realize the importance of of putting on a, a championship team this season. Uh, and most teams know that. But when you are competing for fan bases in a new market and the and the Chargers are still in that position, you know, when they came back a year following the Rams, so the Rams were the first team to move back to, to Los Angeles in 2016. The Chargers followed them in 2017. You know, had those seasons at StubHub Center, a major league soccer stadium that seats about 25,000. Uh, you know, it really put them in a tough spot. So sharing SoFi Stadium with the Rams, sharing Los Angeles with the Rams, it is absolutely paramount for the Chargers to put together a championship season. And they've really done a fantastic job, I think, of, of making this team one of the best teams in the league, according to Las Vegas, coming into this year, you know they they're right there in the mix in terms of being one of the top ten teams in terms of the Super Bowl um, odds to win it all next season. All right, let's leave it there for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream. A hard lesson, court cases. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.